Thanks for being here. We are going to continue with the series that we've been in, The Jesus Way, as we're walking through uh, the first eight chapters of the book of Mark and seeing what God has to say to us through that, saying, okay, how should our lives be? How should we live our lives based on that, all right? Uh, There's one of my favorite phrases uh, that I've ever heard is this phrase, not my circus, not my monkeys. How many ever heard this before, right? (laughs) You're just like, not my circus, not my monkeys, right? You just think like, this is not my problem, (laughs) you know? You ever go through times in life where you see people like, this isn't, I'm not getting involved, you know? Maybe it's those friends you have that have that relationship that's just crazy and weird, and you're just like, not getting involved, right? This is not mine, right? And and I think we say this to ourselves. We say, "I, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. We'll say this, you know, about circumstances. I, I think in our world, uh, we live in a world where you can get sued for getting involved, you know? That's why we have these good Samaritan laws. So, like, yeah, if you help out something, maybe you won't get sued for it. Because I know for me, like, I'll take my kids to the park. Maybe you've had this happen before. I take my kids to the park, and my kids will be like, hey, Daddy, catch me. And they'll catch me. Okay, so they'll jump down. I'll grab them, whatever. And then I'll have somebody else's kid say, catch me. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, son, you're going to have to talk to your own dad, like like creepy guy at the park getting sued, you know? So, like, we live in a world that makes it hard to even get involved. And so we just say this. We say, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. But see, here's the problem, is Jesus lived a life that looked different than that. He challenges this mindset of, I don't want to get involved. And so I think this morning, as we're going to look at this story, I think all of us are going to have this mindset that is just prevalent in our world. We're going to have it challenged a little bit and say, okay, how are we really supposed to respond? We may have to live differently based on what Jesus shows us. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. Mark 6, 30, that's where we're going to be at. As always, if you don't have a Bible, I think it's really important. I would love for you to have a Bible in your hands. I talked to somebody this last week who bought a Bible just so they could have one in their hands every week, all right? And so, uh, but if you don't have one ever with you, you can borrow one from the table at the back. If you don't own one, take it. It's our gift to you. I've noticed a a number of those have been taken already. That's awesome. We want you to have Bibles, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text, though, this morning? Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30 says this, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half, half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out... They said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them, uh, all the people, to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heavens, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men 
who had eaten was 5,000. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we, this isn't just stories that we read. This is your word to us. And so, God, I pray that we would receive it that way. Lord, that we would hear what you have to say, that it would change us, and that we would walk out of this place differently. And so, God, I pray over our ears right now. God, may we hear from you. God, I pray over our hearts right now. We open them to you. Have your way today, we pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 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 You can be seated. All right, so we said during this whole series, uh, the big so what for the entire series is this. Spiritual maturity looks like Jesus. Spiritual maturity looks like Jesus. If we want to grow in our faith, then we should pursue looking like Jesus. And I don't know, if you've been reading through the Gospels, that's been the reading plan this summer. If you've been reading through like I have been, uh, I've been challenged by this. Jesus isn't abstract. He's very specific. <laughs> like he's very practical about what it is we should be doing, how we should be living, how we should be treating other people, how we should be responding to other people. And here's the deal. Jesus has called us to live differently. He called us to do things not just simply believe things, all right? Sometimes in the church, we think, oh, we just got to believe some stuff. No, no, no. He's actually called us to do something. Jesus even said this in John chapter 14, uh, verse 15. He said this, if you love me, Jesus said this, keep my commandments. What is Jesus saying? If you love me, you're going to act like it. That's going to be the natural outbirth of this idea of following Jesus, of loving him. And it's not just us avoiding the bad stuff, right? It's not just I'm not going to go to certain movies or I'm not going to say certain things. It's not just avoiding the bad stuff. We're called to live out the good stuff that Jesus modeled, okay? So what are some of the attributes of Jesus? One of the attributes that we see in this and we see throughout the Gospels is this, compassion. Jesus was filled with compassion. I think all of us kind of have an idea of what compassion looks like. Like compassion is that feeling we get inside, you know, that tug that grips us for something, someone, a circumstance, whatever that is. In fact, the Greek word for compassion, you know what it means? It means like a turning in your bowels. That's what the word means, because at that time, that was what they're understanding. They thought that the seed of your emotions was your bowels, okay? So that's what it literally means. The Greek word for compassion, some of you have probably heard this before, the Greek, um, or the, sorry, the Latin word, it means to suffer with. So compassion is this understanding, like, I feel what you're feeling. Like, I'm going through the same thing you're going. I'm experiencing that inside of me, Okay? Some of you are compassionate people. Raise your hand if you would say, I'm just super compassionate. See, nobody would even, oh, a couple of you will say that. That's good, right? Some of you, and I know, that, that, like the people who raise your hand, I would have picked you out of the room because I know some of you. Like some of you are wired that way. Some of you are married to someone like my wife is so compassionate, but I'm not compassionate, you know? For a lot of us, like we wouldn't say we're super compassionate, but my guess is at some point in your life, you've been stirred inside. Like at some point in your life, there's been that feeling like, oh, man. I wish I could do something. Maybe I should do something, you know? But then there's this tension. Remember the tension we face? There's these stirrings, and then there's the, the mindset of our day. I don't want to get involved. 
And this is where Jesus kind of speaks into this today. He, he shows us what compassion really needs. So if you've got your notes, backside of your bulletin, I want you to follow along. There's some stuff you need to kind of write down today, okay? We're going to start with our big so what, though, today. Uh, we don't usually do that, but we're starting here today. Compassion takes action. Compassion takes action. Simply feeling bad really isn't enough, okay? Like, if we're going to look like Jesus, then we need to be willing to go beyond just a feeling sometimes, okay? If we're going to look like Jesus, we have to be willing to surrender this mindset that says, I don't want to get involved, all right? Because over and over and over again, when you read the stories, you read the Gospels, you look at Jesus, over and over, he is stirred emotionally by people, he's stirred by circumstances, but he's willing to lay down his rights, what he wants, for the sake of someone else, okay? Compassion takes action. We're going to break that down, okay? We're going to talk through this. This message today probably is going to have a little bit more of a teaching aspect to it, but I'm hoping that all of us can, can take that and begin to see how that can apply with our life. Point number one in the story is this. Compassionate living is rarely convenient. How many know this is true? Okay, compassionate living is rarely convenient. We all know this because rarely will you ever be sitting there with six hours of free time just sitting there saying, I wish I could do something meaningful. And then you get a call from somebody, I'm struggling. Oh, okay. <sighs> That's just what I wanted to do. Like usually what's going on in your life? You're busy. You got stuff happening. Your kid's got stuff going on. You got a thousand things happening and a need arises, right? That's when you get the call, right? Let's just be honest. Compassionate living is inconvenient at times. It's rarely a convenient thing for our lives. And if we're going to choose to be people of compassion, then here's what we're choosing. We're choosing to be inconvenienced. That's what we're choosing. That's what we're signing up for, all right? And I think that's hard for us. How many of you like your schedules? Any of you schedule people? Any of you keep a, a, your book? You know, you got your thing. You got like, I got plans and I got this thing. Like some of you, some of you are poking your neighbors. I see it right now, okay? You're, mar you're, you're married to a schedule or that's how your mom is, whatever. Like some of us are those types. And it's really hard to be inconvenienced, right? But if we're going to say, yes, Jesus, we are willing to care about people, to be people that are compassionate at times, we are going to be inconvenienced. But how many of you know this? Some of the best stories of your life happened when you didn't plan it. Right? Some of the best stories you've got, crazy stories and cool things that have happened in your life weren't when it was scheduled on your calendar. Okay? And I'll say this. Some of the best ministry you've probably ever experienced in your life was that conversation you had with the person you didn't know was going to happen. That person, you, that, that time you stopped on the side of the road and cared for somebody who needed it, some of those are the greatest ministry moments that you've ever had. They weren't always scheduled. Compassionate living is rarely convenient. I want to go through this story and just kind of help you understand what's going on here. Look with me at verse number 30 for a second if you can. Verse 30 says this, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Here's what's happening. Jesus had sent out his disciples. He had sent them off to go do ministry, and they came back, and they're jacked up. It's like you ever been back on a missions trip, and you're exhausted, and you're tired, but you got to tell the stories. Like, there's some cool stuff that happened, and that's what's going on with his disciples. 
It says, then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. He sees where his disciples are at. They're tired. They're spent. They've been pouring themselves out, giving everything they got. He's like, we need to get away, guys. Like, we need to step aside for a little bit and get alone, okay? Too many people around us. So they went by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of him. Remember we talked about this last week. The Sea of Galilee is not all that big, okay? It's like a lake, okay? So Jesus and his guys, they get in a boat and they head across. And all the people on the shore are like, oh, I see where he's going. And they just start running, right? We're taking, I'm going to beat them there. Because you can see. You can see all the way across the Sea of Galilee, all right? And this is what's happening. And when they get there, all these people are now there, all right? But hear what Jesus said. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. These people were desperate, right? These people were desperate, and Jesus' heart broke for them. I know, about, I know about you, but some people in my life, I can see them, and I see them, and I get frustrated. I can get annoyed with people. I don't always have the same heart Jesus does to say, that's a broken person that needs Christ, right? Guess what? The person you're married to, we talked about earlier, the person you're married to needs Christ. <laughs> like, they need Jesus, right? That, that mother-in-law that you can't stand, they need Jesus desperately. Could we have hearts of compassion. But here's what we need to recognize. Jesus was actually trying to get his disciples away. He was trying to pursue health for them because he saw his disciples were worn out. They were tired out. They had been pouring themselves out. And he was trying to get them away to, to fill their spirits up. But Jesus understood something, that health isn't the goal. Health is the means. Okay, so we're going to talk about something, and some of you, I think this is going to be a challenge for this morning, but I want you to listen to me, okay? We live in a world that is all about desiring and pursuing health, whether it's mentally, physically, relationally, spiritually, all those things, pursuing all those things, and I'm a big advocate for that. That's called good stewardship, that's called being a good steward of our body. We are going to pursue health in our bodies. We're going to pursue health in our calendars. We're going to pursue health in our time. You know, all these kinds. Those are good things to pursue, okay? But I think sometimes if we're not careful, we forget why it is we're trying to be healthy in the first place, okay? Because hear this. The goal isn't health. Health is a means the goal is that we would glorify God first and foremost, okay? And like I said, that's called being a good steward, being a steward of our bodies, of our times, our schedule, all those things. But our goal is to glorify God and that we would be used by him, that we would pour ourselves out. Listen, we don't work around like, I'm going to have this nice, strong body so I can do nothing with it. I don't try and have a nice, tidy schedule and my family's all healthy so that my family's just all... No, I try to do that so that nothing gets in the way of me being used by God. That he would be able to work through me. That I would be a healthy, functional vessel to be used by him. Unfortunately, if we miss the point, then we say no to opportunities that maybe God wants to inconvenience and use us in. Because, no, 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 I gotta, gotta keep my schedule. That's gonna, that's gonna impede on 
this time that I have set away. Sometimes we have to say, you know what? The goal isn't my schedule. The goal is, can I glorify God? Can I be used by him? It's like this. It's like a sword. Think about it like this. If I got a sword and I can sharpen that sword, it's just like keeping it healthy. I can keep that healthy sword and I can, do, I can sharpen it for two reasons. One, I can put it into the hand of somebody who knows how to use it and it use the sword to do what it's meant to do. Or I can sharpen and polish that sword and put it in a museum. And I think, unfortunately, that's what we do. We make, I just, I got I to gotta have my time. I got to have my this. I got to, that's a means you are a sword that's meant to be wielded. You are meant to pour your life out, to use your life for the sake of another, not to sit in a museum. We talked about this back when the Don't, Don't Go to Church series. You've got a job to do. You've got something to do. And it's rarely going to be convenient for you, but that's okay because the greatest stories in your life are when it isn't always convenient. When God wants to do, intervenes in your life and suddenly you're stepping into something you have no idea. And later in the story we see God does a miracle through some guys saying, okay, I'm tired. I don't really want to do this right now, but I'm willing to be used. That's what it means to serve Jesus. I saw this modeled this past Monday. Amber and I had the privilege. Uh, Amber's, cousin is, uh, uh, Amber's cousin's married to one of the coaches on the Vikings. And so we had the privilege of getting to go to Vikings training camp uh, this past Monday. And so we've got to uh, hang out in this kind of special area, which was super cool. And then we got to go down on the field and watch the practice from on the sideline, which was awesome. And when, the, when practice is over, it was like a two and a half hour practice, and it's hot out. It was super humid. The guys, you could tell they were exhausted. And the NFL practices, they only get two and a half hours a day, so they kill them during those two and a half hours, all right? These guys were tired. When the practice was over with, though, there was a, my kids and a bunch of other kids that just happened to be able to be on the field that were on the sideline just screaming, somebody sign an autograph? Will somebody come say hi? And no, no guilt to them at all. I watched basically every guy on that field walk right off, look at little kids, and just walk right past them. And just, I'm tired, I don't want to do this right now, okay? No big deal, that's their choice. I don't like to sign autographs when I leave the office either, so don't stand by the doors, okay? All right? <laughs> okay, so, but I watched this. All of them leave. There was one guy that stopped, and if you follow me on social media, you saw this. You throw out the picture. Kirk Cousins. The last man who should have felt like they needed to walk. It should have been the, the nobody rookie who was like, cool, somebody wants my autograph. No, the guy who's got the biggest salary, whatever. He's the one guy out of the whole team that came to the side and signed a bunch of autographs and took some pictures. That's my son Asher there. There's Levi getting their ball signed by him. Okay? He was tired. I could see in his face when somebody yelled out to him, you know what he did? Like, <sighs> It was one of those. He didn't want to go do that. It was inconvenient. He was tired. But he said, you know what? I'm going to go. And you know what? Every single person that had that experience, I, I bet you anything that's a story they'll be telling the rest of their life. The impact he made. Why? Because he was willing to pour himself out. And that's what we're called to. At times, being the person Christ has called us to be isn't the convenient thing. It isn't the thing we want to do, but it can make an impact in somebody's life. Okay? I want you to ask yourself this question. Very simple question. Am I willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of another? For a lot of us, the answer is no. But I would say, 
God, should we have a different answer, right? Look at point number two in your notes. Point two is this, compassionate living requires more than just seeing a need. More than just seeing a need. Look at what it says in verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he said, being Jesus, what did he say? You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. All of us know how to spot a problem, okay? All of us are good at spotting problems. We can be critics. You know, some of you know the person who goes even further, you know, the Debbie Downer, Negative Nancy, the Sour Sally, all those people that just, they, they just can see all the negative stuff, right? The disciples were doing the same thing. They saw a problem. Listen, there's no food. We see a problem. And they decide to come to Jesus. It never occurred to them that they should be a part of solving that problem. Never occurred. They're like, send them away. Let them figure stuff out. Jesus had a different plan in mind. And see, as a pastor at a church, I've, I've experienced this so many times. Because here's, here's the story. I'll give you the generic version of the story. I will have people come to me, talk to me, pastor, pastor, we really need to have a ministry for this. Pastor, pastor, I, I see this person in our body who has a need. Pastor, pastor, I got this neighbor who needs a place to live. Pastor, pastor, what can the church do about this? And that's great. But you remember the series, Don't Go to Church? Church is not an organization. The church is not an institution. We are the church. And the question I want to ask people is it, sometimes they'll bring me a need and it'll never cross their mind. Maybe God's putting this on my heart because he wants me to do something about it. He wants me to engage, right? I'm not just here simply to, to find problems. I'm here to say, God, how can you use me? Maybe you want me to do something. Maybe that person on my block who's struggling financially, maybe I'm supposed to sacrifice financially and help them. Maybe that ministry around here, maybe I'm supposed to step out and begin doing those things. Maybe God's putting a burden on my heart for a reason, not just to feel something, to actually put action to it. Compassionate living will demand something of you, not just the church, okay? What I love about this is that this church, I, you know, and I'm, I'm still getting to know everybody. I don't know everyone super well, but I'm, I'm beginning to get a feel for people, and I've talked to so many of you that live this out already. And I'm not going to use names because I didn't ask permission to talk about you guys today, but there's some of you in this building that, ex that, just, that just make me happy. I, there's a lady in our church who has a passion for homeless people and serving them, and she isn't someone of great means, but she says, I'll do what I can. So she puts together bags full of basic supplies for them, and any time she sees a homeless person, she gives them that bag. She wants to be able to invest in them. She didn't say, why isn't there a ministry? No, I'm just going to, what can I do? You put it on my heart, what can I do, right? I think about, uh, there's a couple in this church who have a passion for, for people who don't have a place to live, and rather than saying, pastor, pastor, we should find a place to live, they say, you know what, I'm going to open my house and let somebody move in with me. That's what we're going to do. We're going to open this room to someone in need. You know, I've got a spare room. Let's do it. 
It's not always convenient. It isn't the thing that's easy, but they're willing to do it. I know a gentleman here at the church has a passion for ending sex trafficking, and I see him engaging in every uh, compassion and fundraising opportunity possible. Why? Because that's what he wants to give himself up for the sake of another. Not just see the need, but actually do something about it. I, I've mentioned this, I think, before. We've got a member of our church, these dumb little cards on the backs of the seats, right? All the dumb little cards here on the back seat. Every week, they get to be a mess, Okay, because all you all people are all dirty when you do that. You're plucking stuff up, whatever. And so there's somebody in our church that comes every week. There's actually two of them now that come, and they reorganize those cards every week. They never came to us and said, oh, we should do something about this. He said, I'm going to do something about this, right? I think about... Uh, issues that there's a couple in our church who they've owned some some kids activity stuff and rather than just saying oh I'm just gonna let them sit in my garage whenever there's things we've had here they've said hey it's not always convenient but I'll come and I'll bring it and set this stuff up for the sake of this body I know some of you that reach out to neighbors serving neighbors having people over in your home starting bible studies serving people not because you're looking for somebody else to do it or seeing the need but saying you know what I'll step in and I'll do it myself and I want to highlight one person I'm going to use her name because I told her I would one person in here how many of you know Val Graves a part of our church she's been a part of our church a long time She's going to turn super red right now while I talk about her. Uh, but Val has been a part of the church for a long time, but uh, she has had a stirring in her heart. She's the office manager here at the church, but she's in the process of transitioning, and she is going to be transitioning onto the mission field. There's a stirring in her heart, all right? And so I'm going to just, I'm just going to support here because I love her anyways, okay? She has to raise funds, okay? And so some of you... Some of you are going to start supporting her monthly so that, to be able to send her on the mission field. And when she asks, you're going to help her. I know you're going to do that, okay? But here's the cool part. Val doesn't sit back and say, man, I wish there were more people on the mission field reaching lost people. She got to the point and said, you know what? I could be the one to go. I, I could go. And see, that's what it means. Compassionate living says this. I, I don't just see need. I'm actually going to do something about it. So the question I want you to ask yourself is this question, could I meet this need? When you have an experience, you have something in front of you, an opportunity in front of you, rather than say, I'm going to pass the buck, I'm going to say no, no, I'm going to say, could I meet this need? You don't have to meet it. I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying ask the question because maybe God's going to stir in your heart to do something. All right? Point number three in your notes is simply this. Compassionate living says yes to Jesus. Compassionate living says yes to Jesus. Uh, when you look at this story, Jesus says, hey, why don't you guys do something? And here's what happens the rest of the story. There's more details in some of the other translations or some of the other gospels. But here's what happens. They, got, they say, okay. Uh, Jesus is like, well, what do you got? He goes out, all right, we got some, we got some fish. Okay, cool. S uh, separate everybody into groups. So the disciples go out. They separate everybody into groups. They come back. All right, here, I'm going to break this bread. Pass this out to people. Okay, we're going to go pass this. People out. All right, now go pick up all the scraps. Okay, we're going to go pick up all the scraps, all right? Here's what the disciples did. They didn't step aside after Jesus said that. Well, I guess let's figure, out a, let's figure something out. I guess we got to do this. No, they just simply said, we're going to listen to Jesus, and we'll say yes to what he asked us to do. That's it. We make this complex sometimes. Like, we got to fit. No, no, no. Just, just listen to Jesus and do what he asks you to do. You know, and this might, when we don't do this, it gets us into trouble sometimes because I think what can happen is, is that maybe uh, this is actually what possibly got you to the point of saying, I don't want to get involved because you maybe stepped into some things. You never asked Jesus, should you get involved? You just started doing stuff. 
you just started responding and doing stuff, and maybe you got involved in something and, and the results weren't what you wanted, or you got overwhelmed, or your family ended up being a problem for your family and all these kind of things. And I just say this, all we've got to do is we've got to stop and listen to Jesus. Hear this, we don't just say yes to need, we say yes to Jesus. Because hear this, if all you're going to do is say yes to need, you will never do anything the rest of your life. Okay, you will never eat again, you will never sleep again, you will never do anything because there is always more need than we can fulfill, okay? And, and Jesus even knew this. He, he said, I do what the Father tells me to do, okay? That's what I do. Like, he could have he never slept again, but he knew, I, I can't do that. I, I got to do what my Father asks me to do. That's what I'm going to do, okay? And so I, I would just say this to some of us, that, that we need to have this ear that is open that says, you know what? I'm going to listen to what God is asking me to do. I'm going to respond. Now, some of those things are blatantly obvious. If you have somebody in front of you that's starving and you have food, Jesus makes that a very clear answer for you. You should do it, okay? You should feed them some food when you have food, okay? You got an extra shirt, you should give it to somebody when they don't have it. Some of those things are very clear. But there's other opportunities you're like, God, I don't know if I should lean into this. I don't know whether I should. Okay, stop. Ask for direction. I believe God will lead you. Sometimes I think we'd say no for him. Say, ah, no, no. I don't want to get involved. Or sometimes we say yes for him. We never ask him. And those are the times where you get yourselves overwhelmed. When you don't come to God, here's what happens. You miss out on really great stuff, or you get overwhelmed with stuff you were never supposed to take on in the first place. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? I got uh, uh, some friends here and uh, they have a heart for inviting people into their home, uh, specifically younger people, high schoolers that just don't have a place to live in rough situations. And they've been doing this for years. Uh, this past year, I had the chance to talk to them when they were in a very tough season, in a challenging season. Because there was a need from somebody, and they kind of sensed they weren't supposed to let them come move in. But they did it anyway, because they saw the need and said, okay, we're going to invite them in. And a few months down the road, a few weeks down the road, it became very evident this is not what we were supposed to do. This was a bad decision. It's taken us into a horrible place in marriage and family and those kind of things. And they got to learn the hard lesson that sometimes saying yes without asking Jesus is not the right decision. Okay? And so I'm just saying this. As followers of Christ, here's what we're, we're supposed to do. We are simply called to say, Jesus is this what I'm, I'm supposed to do? And if Jesus calls you, you say yes. That's it. We don't simply respond, you know, to whatever needs. No, we say, God, whatever you put in front of me, I'm going to lay down my right to say, I, I, I don't want to get involved. I will do whatever you want, God. What do you want me to do? Jesus did this, and I think we forget about this. One of my favorite stories to, to give us some context is uh, Jesus, uh, or it was Peter and John, something happens in Acts 3 that reveals something. In Acts 3, uh, Peter and John are walking into the temple, and there is a beggar. It says that there is a beggar that is put outside of the temple who is put there every single day. Okay? Every single day. Which means he had never been healed. He was lame. And eventually, Peter and John in that story, they heal him. But the thing that I love about this story is that Jesus walked in the temple on many occasions, and never healed that man. Okay? Like, there were a lot of cities where Jesus said Jesus healed everybody, but that man never got healed. 
by Jesus, which just shows you something. It shows what Jesus had taught us. I do what the Father tells me to do. Like, he left that man. There was a reason. God was up to something, and he said, no, nope, you're not going to heal that guy because I'm going to have Peter and John heal that guy in a few weeks, all right? And here's the, the humble position we need to put ourselves in to say, God, I'm not just going to do and try and solve the world's problem like I'm the Savior. You know, I'm just going to listen to you and do what you asked me to do. That's what, because you're not the Savior of the world. <laughs> Jesus is, all right? So I want you to ask this question. Are we listening for his leading? Are we listening for his leading? Are we willing to say, God, what do you want to do? When we encounter a challenge, are we listening like, God, are you asking me to get involved? Do we even give him an opportunity? Or do we right away say, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. It's not my problem. Not my circus. Not my monkeys. Right? We say, no, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Whatever you want. My prayer for us as a church is not that we would just, uh, you know, just really work hard. Let's just try hard to be compassionate people because that's just, that's suffocating. Here's what my desire for us as a church is that we would just look more like Jesus. That we would be transformed on the inside. That we would come before him and say, God, I want you to make me like you because here's the deal. Jesus doesn't ask us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. Think about your story. Think about the gospel. What's the good news? Good news is this. When it was inconvenient, when you were broken, you were pitiful, you were lost, there was nothing you could do to save yourself. God looked down, not with eyes of frustration or annoyance or disgust, but he looked down with eyes of compassion and he said, I'm willing to be inconvenienced for them. I'm willing to do the thing I don't necessarily want to do right now. I'm not just going to see a problem like some of us. I'm not just going to see it and say, man, somebody should do something about this. No, he said, you know what? I'll do something about this. I'll lean in. I'll give my life. And then he goes into a garden. I love the story of Jesus in the garden because he's saying, you know what? Father, I don't want to do this. <laughs> is there any other way? But if there isn't, I'll say yes to you. I'll say yes to the Father and say, I will do this. That's what Jesus did for every single one of us. And for us as followers of Christ, the calling is that we would simply just be like our Savior. God would shape our hearts, that he would break our hearts for people and that we would no longer live as stubborn Americans that say, I don't want to get involved, but instead we'd live like kingdom people. And kingdom people say, God, I'm yours. Whether it's easy or not, whether it's what I want to do or not, whether it's when I want to do it or not, God, I'm yours to be used because there are lost people that are just like I was with no hope, with no life, with nobody who is fighting for them and say, I will put myself in the way so that Christ can be revealed. I will get involved. I will get my hands dirty a little bit for the sake of another person. That's the calling for us. All right?